I'm not that guy, right? Wanna explain that to the orphans and the widows of the men you kill? Shit, that's what you think. I'm just some crazy asshole going around unloading on whoever I want to. Yeah, huh? that's exactly what I think. That is. You think you're anything else? I think that the people I kill need killing. That's what I you think. You left men hanging for yeah, meat hooks. They got off easy, in my opinion. You shut up a hospital. Yeah, nobody got hurt or didn't deserve oh, it. Yeah. What, what about you, Frank? What happens the day someone decides you deserve it? Tell you what, they better not miss. You run around this city like it's your goddamn shooting gallery. Yeah, what you do you do? You what do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists, you throw them in jail, everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same gun damn thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You're goddamn right I do. You ever doubt yourself, Frank? Not even for a second. Really? Really? You never think for one second, shit, I just killed a human being. It's being pretty generous. A human being who did a lot of stupid shit, maybe even evil, but had one small piece of goodness in him. Maybe just a scrap, Frank, but something. And then you come along and that one tiny flicker of light gets snuffed out forever. I think you're wrong. Which part? All of it. I think there's no good in the filth that I put down. That's what I think. And how do you know? I just know. Look around, right? This city, it stinks. It's a sewer. It stinks and it smells like shit. And I can't get the stink out of my nose. I think that this world, it needs men that are willing to make the hard call. That's what I think. I think you and me are the same. same. You know it. Only I do the one thing that you can't. You hit them and they get back up. I hit them and they stay down. It's permanent. I make sure that they don't make it out on the street again. I take pride in that. Let me ask you this. What's that? What about hope? No, Come on, Frank. Santa Claus? You want to talk about Santa Claus? I live in the real world, too, and I've seen it. What have you seen? Redemption, Frank. It's real. And it's possible. The people you murder deserve another chance. To kill again, rape again, is that what you want? No, Frank, to try again, Frank. To try. And if you don't get that, there's something broken in you you can't fix. And you really are a nut job. This is episode 174 of Gundam at MAHQ. I'm Chris Guanche. And this is Solbro Ryu. So this is our first episode of 2016, Solbro. Oh oh my god, it's a new year. It feels like last year. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, not really. It's a a new feeling, I I gotta say. It's it's good to be in 2016. We're almost through with uh, this decade, man. That's crazy, man. It's a, it's a brand new day. Oh my god! The evil is rising in me. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. So we have uh, two topics in tonight's episode. We're going to be closing out our long-running, multi-year reviews of Gundam: The Origin, the manga series. Did Did you ever think that day would come? Man, I it, from whence we started. Up until now, I never thought we'd see the end of the day. I'm kind of sad that uh, Neo isn't here. Although, uh, when he does get back to the show, I'm looking forward to hearing his take on uh, what he thought of the, uh, the last couple volumes of the of the book. I think the only one he wasn't on for was this one, right? 
think he did yes. the last one with us. So yeah, I'm, it, I'm sure we'll have his thoughts on that. Maybe he'll submit them as a uh, as its own separate entry on Gundam that we can post up. Much like his uh, Force Awakens review. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, that's already up on the feed. If you guys want to check out Neo's Force Awakens review, but yeah, we come a long way with uh, Gundam: The Origin, man. Uh, I'm 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 kind of uh, sad that it's over, but makes me look forward to what else uh, Vertical might have cooking Gundam-wise in the future. All things must end. All things must end. So, <clears throat> we'll also be tackling the first episode of the latest Gundam OVA, and that's Thunderbolt. Hell yeah, man. So, we'll be giving that a quick perusal. But first, it's time for the Neo's Lister submitted news. Oh, man. Minus the Neo. Oh, damn. <laughs> which, of course, you can drop your items into the uh, listener submitted news thread on Mechatox Gundam sub forum. So our first item comes from listener Burtman4. Gundam.info for North America website opened. Nice. Latest information. <laughs> which so far doesn't seem to be that different from what's on their current limited English language stuff, but hopefully they'll add more in the future. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction. Next up from Wielder. On Anime News Network, there's a link to the trailer for the fifth and final episode of Code Geass Akito the Exiled. Who, who thought we'd ever see this day? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> and following that, Rodimus76 has a link from Geek Tyrant about G.I. Joe, Micronauts, Visionaries, Mask, and Rom will have a shared cinematic universe. Wow. <laughs> Paramount Pictures and Hasbro have some big movie plans brewing for several classic toys and cartoons that many of us grew up with. They have officially teamed up to create a shared cinematic universe that will include blah, 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 and blah. Oh, boy. <laughs> According to THR, Hasbro head of film development Josh Feldman is working with Paramount to shape the new universe that will include these five properties. The studios will be putting together a writing team, much like the one that was set up for the studio's Transformers films. Wayne's Fullness, which is being led by Akiva Goldsman. Oh the team of people who have yet to be named will develop a creative roadmap. The report says the studio will be going after, quote-unquote, top talent, though. Oh, my gosh. Do you see that? It makes you think of top men. Top men. <laughs> what men? Top Top men. men. Dudes, in, uh, for, dudes in fedoras? <laughs> yeah, we're going to develop these movies, see? Oh. With- Mask and G.I. Joe, and you're going to watch these movies, see? Because yeah. we're top talent, see? Top talent. Well, I guess the future the future will uh, reveal if that's true or not. But it's crazy, this, man. Everybody's this, asking. Mm-hmm. This is when cinematic universes jump the shark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I already think that they, in some ways, are already jumping the shark with... Uh, with the whole monsters universe that Universal's trying to do, and um, the kaiju universe that uh, was it uh, either Warner Brothers or Legendary trying to do, or Universal, I, I've lost track. And now this I, I, Visionaries and Mask, I grew up with those toys, but they're so obscure, no one they're remembers garbage. though. No one remembers. They were fun, but they're, they they're did, fun what, at the time, but they're garbage. Yeah, they're nothing that you, people will remember for like years on end. GI Joe is really the only thing out of all of these that I think has a has any kind of resonance and they've already tried two movies and I'm okay with the second film um should they cross over GI Joe and Transformers I'm cool with that 
But crossing over G.I. Joe with all these other properties that G.I. Joe's going to have to lift up on its two shoulders when it's not even a strong enough franchise to begin with makes no sense. I know some people who have a lot of fondness for ROM, um, and I grew up reading those comics too, but no one remembers ROM. The, the only thing that I think anyone would be interested in mm-hmm. is the one thing that Paramount doesn't seem to want to do, which is to cross over G.I. Joe and Transformers, which yeah. actually has a comic basis. Absolutely. It's been done several times. Even in the animated series, there's been references to both uh, both yeah. sides of the equation, and there's been things to tie both series together. So why not? I mean, maybe there's some reason as to why they don't want to do it. Maybe it's Michael Bay. Uh, I guess we'll get to that eventually. I can't but. imagine that because, you know, Michael Bay loves himself off the u.s military and there ain't nothing more america than gi joe i wouldn't mind him taking a stab at a gi joe movie to be honest since he's always uh uh, he's he's pretty uh pretty fond of the the military he he has a gi joe movie out it's called uh 13 hours oh yeah true true that's right (laughs) hashtag benghazi (laughs) get hype (laughs) because if you didn't think that you'd heard enough about benghazi uh, for 2016, mm-hmm. you're going to hear some more about it now. Man, I'm sure Neil's review is pending. <laughs> 11 Ooh. stars out of five. Ooh, man, uh, you, you rated it too low. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's crazy stuff. But yeah, this 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 cinematic universe, I don't know if it'll work out. But um, then again, we have yet to see if uh, DC Cinematic Universe is going to uh, work out. So... Uh, we'll we'll see what the future holds, but yeah, I, I don't know about this. Yep. And next up, listeners RX ninety two and Wielder sent in some news about upcoming anime releases in March. Ooh. First up, according to ANN, Discotech is going to be releasing DVD collection for Die Guard. This is a license rescue from ADV, and it's a great, fun little series. Absolutely. About basically. Salary men uh, using super robots to fight uh, alien invasion and all of the mundane, uh, <laughs> businessy costs of having super robots wrecking the city and running to, uh, you know, repel alien invaders. It's like Mazinger meets uh, Office Space. It's so, sort of so much fun. Uh, I own it on DVD. I-, I believe you do as well. I used to, but I lent it to someone and he oh. lost it. Dang it. I, and I was pissed as hell. Oh, but then he's like, well, you can keep my most paid a DVD set. Well, hey, man, you made out. <laughs> I was like, all in all, better trade. But I'm still going to get this. Yeah, I, I kind of want to upgrade to Blu-ray now that this is getting ready to come out here. Uh, it's not a Blu-ray, sir. Oh, it is oh, a DVD. Oh, DVD. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me sit my ass back down. So, uh, I, but I do, I do recommend it to anybody who might be interested in checking it out. We reviewed it on – didn't we review it on Gundam? I believe we did. I uh, do not. You know, so. I might be talking up my ass. We, we, we've talked about it so much on the show, we, though. It feels if like we, we did have. review it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing this show now for it's hey. our ninth year, so yeah. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of what we've done or because not done. It's that's true. That's true. We talked about it so much that it feels like we reviewed it. So uh, if if anything, um, check it out. Either man. we reviewed it or we didn't. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> One of those. So two. either listen to it or don't. Take your pick. <laughs> Also coming in March, courtesy of Right Stuff, is a re-release 
of Zeta Gundam on mm-hmm. Blu-ray and DVD. This is do what you, do you do? You believe in the sign? I do. I do believe in the you sign. Ready of for Zeta. the tears of time? Yo, I'm ready to pick this up, man. You Zeta. ready for the tears in high definition? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the tears, the gassing, everything. <laughs> danger oh man i am so ready for this uh just to be able to own this series on blu-ray I, i'm behind i'm picking up the gundam uh, picking up Gu- mobile suit gundam on blu-ray but i'm i'm dead set on getting that i just got caught up and picked up uh turn a gundam on dvd so uh now i just need to go and get uh, gundam on blue blu-ray so i can eventually catch up the zeta gundam and get that on blu-ray because this is by far my favorite gundam series and to see it in blu-ray uh from the masters since they've already released it in blu-ray in japan is going to be really cool to own. So I'm, I'm excited for this. So you're excited? Yes. Yes. Who, how did you know? <laughs> I, had a, I had a suspicion. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Next up from the Black Cat via Silicon Era, Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus Force is being released this year in the West for the PlayStation Vita. Mm-hmm. So if you like that game, which a lot of people seem to not like. Yeah. There's a bit of controversy with it. Um, I know that uh, it, the, on one hand, it's cool that we're finally getting extreme verses. On the other hand, it sucks that it's A, on the Vita. I know there's a lot of fans of the Vita, so I'm not trying to diss you or anything like that. But to have a, to have a, a versus game out here that has no online play, even on the Vita or the PlayStation TV, which is also playable on... Uh, to me, it kind of sucks. I still want to own it, and I still want to support on, it. Systems that's you know, let's let's not kid ourselves. It's on life support. Yeah, it's on the it's and on the, the way and out. And that Sony acts like it doesn't exist. Yeah, and and it's almost like a slap in the face. And I think the only reason why we're getting in in other regions besides Japan and and the Pan Pacific is because it didn't sell well there, and they're trying to make up for you know whatever they didn't make over there because they probably expected it to sell like gangbusters, like. Um, full boost and and perform as well as maxi boost does in the arcades uh everybody's waiting for maxi boost to get ported to playstation 4 and whatever other platform they want to put it on and i guess this is some kind of in-between game that hopefully will hopefully would have satiated people's desires for maxi boost to be ported but i don't think it's working and um i only hope that when they release maxi boost inevitably that they'll release it worldwide as opposed to just japan i'm assuming they won't but we'll see <laughs> you know what i worry about with this release though being that it's on the vita is that this kind of feels like it's a release that's being set up to fail yeah it feels it's on like a system that. that's not selling well mm-hmm. it's probably gonna get uh very little advertisement and Absolutely. then when it inevitably fails because of bandai's failure to promote it mm-hmm. they will look to this and say see western people don't want to buy gundam games so exactly. let's not release any more that's what a lot of people feel too, because uh, like when Maxi Boost inevitably, inevitably does come out, and then people are begging them to release the game, that's that'll be Namco Bandai's response. Is like, well, we released uh, EX versus Force, and nobody picked it up, and that's BS as far as I'm concerned, because it's not on a platform that most people have. So what are you talking about? As opposed to the PlayStation Four, which Sony just announced they've almost sold 40 million PlayStation Fours around the world. So, you but know. hey, you know what? At the end of the day, mm-hmm. uh, who cares? Yeah. What does it matter? Because uh, Extreme versus console games are region free. Mm-hmm. They have enough English that you can understand and play them raw. Mm-hmm. So, is it really? 
No, nah, at the end of the day, we can still import the game as long as they don't region yeah. lock the game specifically, which they can do. But um, chances which, are they which won't. Which nobody has done on the PS3 or PS4, really, aside yeah. from a few handful of cases. Yeah, the only, only the last case I can think of is Persona 4 Arena was the last game yeah. that got locked out. Well, but, unless they do something like put some kind of regional lock on the online play, then mm-hmm. what does it what does it really matter? Yeah, that would that would definitely be a downer. But we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I I I have faith that uh that we'll see Maxi Boost come out, and even if it's importable and it doesn't come out here, we will still manage because we'll import it regardless. So there's that. And next up from Vet Noir, according to ANN. Uh, Magical Girl Sailor Macross premieres in the spring. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I mean Macross Delta. <laughs> this is not the Macross that I wanted. Oh, no. <laughs> this, is not, this is not dark and gritty. And this is, this is, this franchise is dead. By the way, I love Robotech. <laughs> She's very much alive and well. Oh my gosh! Shoutouts to uh, to Dalo who uh, I think Carl Forever. He he dropped like a, a fake article in uh, the MHQ uh, Facebook group and also on the uh, the news where uh, it was said that uh, Harmony Go would be adapting uh, <laughs> this series into a new Robotech series. I lost I lost my mind when I read that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh the jokes! But uh, yeah, man, did you get to see the preview? Because I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I watched it. And uh, any quick thoughts on it? It's not my usual jam, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Uh, the review for it is on MHQ. It essentially is the aesthetics of Plus with the weirdness of Seven. That's <sighs> the most basic way to boil it down. And people either love it or hate it, and you can guess that it, a lot of it is hate. I was I was going to ask you where the needle went. Is, is it more like uh, Frontier? Is oh, it more weird. like Seven? But uh, it looks like a square in the middle. <laughs> Oh no! It is it is totally in in the weird side. Oh, good stuff. Uh, I was I was ready for some weird macros because I, I I did like seven at first, but you know after after watching it uh, a couple episodes, you get into the groove of that, and I hope that this is a similar experience of weird with the macros series. Your man. your like or dislike of this will depend on how you feel about uh, idol groups. Oh boy! Well, I'm not crazy about them, but it's macros, so I'm I'm probably gonna slip into the groove of this. I at least I hope so. Well, we'll find out in April when we start talking about the show. Oh, boy. Get ready for those reviews, guys. <laughs> Our last bit of regular news comes again from Wielder mm-hmm. via ANN. An 11th volume of Gundam Unicorn novels is coming this year. That's I never expected this news. <laughs> Who knows what it'll have? And, you know, we'll see. Well, maybe it'll correct some of the uh, story issues. <laughs> I, d- I doubt that. Laplace's block. Bo- Lo- uh, I, I said it. Laplace's blocks. Laplace's blocks. God dang it. Maybe it'll actually, you know, like end the story. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it will. Maybe we'll get some uh, full on closure and uh, and 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 they'll type whatever uh, contrivances the story had. I'm not sure, but I guess we'll see. Hey, let's not kid ourselves. If it gets adapted into an anime, it'll probably just be more mobile suit porn. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Like, hey, here's some, here's some more recolored variants of anime stuff. Here's some more MSV that we got to get off the shelves. Let's have Zaku tanks in space. Why not? Got to sell, 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 man. <laughs> got to clear that stuff out. So in the praise be to the Robo Lords news section. Ooh, yes. 
We have from Philly Gundam fan via CNN, the most trusted name in news. Nice. $93.1 million contract between the U.S. Navy and Northrop Grumman aimed at enabling hundreds of small ships to carry drones. Oh, no. The new seaborne drone system would combine vertical takeoff and landing with the ability to fly long distances and provide highly flexible, robust, and affordable unmanned intelligence, <laughs> surveillance, reconnaissance, and strike capability, said Ralph Storacci, Northrop Grumman Aerospace Systems Director of Advanced Design. All hail our robot masters. <laughs> it's like we've gone back in time to 1984, guys. <laughs> Big Brother is always watching. Yo, Skynet fully realized. I'm excited. <laughs> and the chat news. Yo, chat news? Oh, shit. Hey! Look at me. Sure. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk! Chat news via Geek Tyrant and listener Rodimus76. William Shatner loves Star Wars The Force Awakens, according to a tweet. Okay, I have to admit it. Star Wars was superb. (laughs) Best thing yet. But might have been a bit better with me. But I digress. (laughs) It's like we got William Shatner right here on the mic. Star Trek Five Rules. Yo, I'm actually pretty pretty amazed. He actually liked it. Uh, then again, I've never heard him really critique Star Wars all that much. So uh, that's pretty cool that he enjoyed it. it. Really is. I gotta say, yo, William Shatner, he, he enjoys that. He enjoys Arrow and Flash. I was like, what what else is he gonna blow me away with? <laughs> Live long and may the force be with you. Nope. <laughs> oh, Solbro. Mm-hmm. Solbro nostalgia news. Oh Jesus. From Philly Gundam fan again via Coming Soon. Netflix and DreamWorks Animation today announced the expansion of their current multi-year deal, including a reimagining of Voltron. Oh. New series, Troll Hunters, from master storyteller Guillermo del Toro, who will unleash a new fantastical world wrapped around two best friends who make a startling discovery beneath their hometown, Man. which you'll never see because it'll get canceled before. <laughs> move on to something else which will also get cancelled all these doors are closing on Del Toro man it kind of sucks man that guy uh, I I mean I haven't seen his latest movie what's it called Uh, Crimson Crimson Peak but I've heard mixed reviews on it but I mean it looks gorgeous but uh, then again horror has never been my forte but I'll I'll check it out sometime but uh, I'm glad to see he's working on a project that hopefully won't get pulled uh, the, the rug underneath them will get pulled from so, <laughs> but Voltron man um, I don't know what to make of this news uh, It's it's been a long time since I actually sat down and watched a Voltron series and none of the the reboots of the franchise ever really pulled me in like Voltron Force or whatever whatever, whatever else they've cooked up so it, to me, it depends on how it's animated and what approach they take with it I mean if it's going to be super robot and hopefully they embrace the whole super robot um, genre and go in kind of like, uh, like, like something like Gal Gagar. If they're gonna make, if they're gonna make some weak-willed version of Voltron, I'm probably not gonna be on board to watch it. But I, they'll I, probably I, be crap. 
it probably will. I'm cautiously optimistic, but it depends on who's behind it. So, uh, fingers crossed, I guess. But uh, it's interesting to hear that they, of all things, they want to re uh, reboot Voltron of all things. So, I guess we'll see. And finally, the Surbay News Alert. Ooh, man, it's time. Let's fire the alarm. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh my God, that's bullshit. What the? Dude. We uh, bring the brewskis from some guy named Solbro. <laughs> Who's the that? The Collider. Oh my gosh! Transformers Five. Michael Bay confirms he'll direct. I know that makes uh, one particular guy jump out of his skin right now. <laughs> so, uh, Mark and Mark had something to say. Yeah. What? No. He says here. Uh, Speaking with Rolling Stone, he confirmed that he'll be back and promises that this is truly his swan song for the franchise. Transformers, I still have a great time. It's fun to do a movie that a hundred million people will see, but this is the last one. I have to pass the reins to someone else. I remind Bay that he said the same thing before each of the last Transformers movies. I know, he says. J.J. Abrams told me, you're the only guy that could do this, but it's time to move on. One more. Those are contradictory statements. I want to be a Transformer. Oh, my God. Yo, I don't know. I, I, I have to know what Neil's reaction to J.J. Abrams told me. You're the only guy that could do this. <laughs> I, I saw that, and I, I thought, uh, for some reason, of, of Jack Palance. You're my Number one guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine it went down like that, but I just know that Neil doesn't like J.J. Abrams all that much. And to hear that J.J. Abrams actually says to Michael Bay that he's the only one who could direct these movies, I guess we'll see if he's right. But I've been, I was really, really hoping for another director for these films because I honestly think they need him. They, well, I'm kind of curious, though, when J.J. Abrams says to Michael Bay, you're the only one that can, um, you're the only guy that could do this, is, is that a backhanded compliment? <laughs> I actually heard that they're actually pretty cool with each other. Um, so I, I think it was genuine, but uh, at the same time, I, I just, I, at this point, I think he's burnt out on these movies, and I would rather see him do But he keeps doing them. It's like, how much more money could oh, he make? I mean, granted, uh, the, the allure of making billions of dollars, I mean, being a producer and making, you know, several hundred million off these movies is gotta be pretty strong, and he, he's, he's a commercial director. He's like, I don't think he's ever done any kind of independent film or any kind of movie. I mean, granted, he's come close with Pain and Gain, but even those were commercial films, and, and Benghazi's commercial film. They're releasing it uh, at the same window of uh, of American Sniper was last year, so they're looking to make some bank off that film. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think that he really just doesn't really care. He does, he, I saw an interview where he even lost count of how many movies he did in the Transformers franchise. Someone he had to ask is like, how many movies am I? Oh, this is the fifth one? <laughs> like really really are you are you kidding me that you don't remember how many movies that you've done so far but you can never stop making transformers movies oh man if i have anything to say about it 
But and 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 I mean, granted, we've we've given fair reviews to the films here on Gundam, but I've never been compelled to go back and watch a movie three or four, and definitely not two since Ooh, they've no, come no. out. I've never been compelled to, to. I didn't go back to the theater to see four an additional time when it's hit home video. I didn't even buy it. And I have not been compelled to even go back and watch it on Netflix or anything like that. So that says a lot as opposed to other movies I've seen, like blockbusters that I've gone back and watched time and time again. That's definitely not one of them. So it says you don't love Transformers is what it says. <sighs> Man, it says that I'm, I'm looking for a director that actually has a lot of love for this franchise and can do something different with it. And um, I'm open. Nobody to s- ever will, though. I mean, let's yeah. not kid ourselves. These movies are massive money makers, no matter sure. how good or bad they are. Nobody is ever going to change the formula of how these movies are made. We're never going to get the Transformers that we want because these are made for the mass market. So, well, we we also live in well, an age. We also live in an age post Creed and post uh, both Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and we've seen two directors who were spirited on these properties that actually went in and made really good movies out of those properties and people who actually care about them. There are people out there who care about Transformers just as much. And yeah, but has Paramount has never cared yeah. about Transformers. They're you know they don't care if the movie's good or bad because <laughs> as demonstrated by <laughs> movies like uh, the second one, they'll yeah. make tons of money no matter how terrible they are. So they don't care. They don't. There's no legacy that they care about mm-hmm. to maintain with Transformers the way that Star Wars is with Lucasfilm. Or in the hands of J.J. Abrams. So these will just be uh, explosion fests, CG fests, <laughs> Chinese money fests. Chinese. <laughs> I mean, you got a good point. But uh, yeah, I, I guess it takes these movies to actually fail before they actually take a different approach. So Transformers 5 is going to come out. They'll direct it. It'll be another hit. Possibly more so a hit in China than it is here. And then uh, they'll continue in the same path they always did. But uh, I certainly hope that change might happen, but I, it doesn't look like it's going to. So let me uh, let me just sit my ass down. <laughs> there you Damn. go. Damn. Damn. And that is it for the listener-submitted news. We'll take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Podcasting is king. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast.
www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls. Warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool! It's so goddamn hot! Milk was a bad choice. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And in this segment, we're going to delve into our review of the first ONA, that's original net animation, of Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt. Uh, episode 1 definitely hits the ground running. Uh, we're introduced uh, to, uh, uh, we actually are brought back into the One Year War as if we'd never been there before. <laughs> It is again the so long. Oh my gosh. It is again the year 0079 and we are in the realm of side 4, which is also known as more. Um it is pretty much graveyard when you are introduced to it it's uh you see many different destroyed space colonies all around and you also uh, are introduced to the uh, transport ship the Beehive which is uh, of the Federation forces and on board the Beehive uh, a, many different pilots are getting ready to uh, sortie in order to um, regain the territory of side 4 from the Zeons who are pretty much holding position with snipers in position to uh, take out anybody who approaches um, <clears throat> one of those pilots is EO Fleming and he is a jazz aficionado he's actually sitting there listening to a pirate radio station um, and listening to improvisational jazz which I can definitely respect because I love improv jazz and uh, he's speaking to his uh, mechanic Cornelius who uh, tells him to use headphones instead of listening to his pirate radio uh, out loud but he Io tells him uh, he needs to uh, feel the vibrations in his suit before he goes out to sortie and uh, he's a bit of a drummer too I love that aspect of his character he's just sitting there just drumming on his console <laughs> and uh it looks like his his true passion actually is to play music but uh he really enjoys being a mobile suit pilot which is uh, a change of pace for a lot of these uh gundam series and um then they of course take off the sortie to go up against the uh 
the Xeon the Xeon uh, snipers that are in position at side four in order to get back um, the colony that they're defending. And as you're watching this unfold, many of these Federation pilots are getting taken out in one shot by these uh, Xeon snipers. And it just goes to show how badly the GMs are constructed because even when they're shot in the arm <laughs> or the head, the entire body blows up. And um, you, uh, Io himself, he uh, notices he's about to be targeted. And um, at the moment that his suit is shot, he has the foresight to, to eject his core before the, his entire suit blows up. So he manages to survive the onslaught. Although, um, but on the other flip side of that, a lot of the other pilots from the Federation are getting picked off pretty quickly by the Xeon. Um, one of those pilots on the Xeon, his name is Daryl Lawrence, and he's uh, stationed in a in a hiding position with the rest of his uh, crew, and they're all speaking to one another as they're taking out all these different uh, Federation pilots, and they're listening to pretty bad pop music from which sounds like 60s pop music so in this you'll notice that music is a character in this uh ova but um what turns out uh they're they're surprised um along the way by uh a mysterious pilot from the federation side who tricks one of the other snipers into opening up their rig dom's cockpit and ends up pretty much being brutally killed (laughs) And probably the most gruesome uh, mobile suit jacking I've ever seen in a in a Gundam series. Um, gruesome, really? Yeah, I'm I mean, that little. I mean, I've never seen like erratic. a Oh, I, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I've never seen a guy get headshot in order to get his uh, his suit jacked. I mean, the most I've seen is people get thrown out of their suits <laughs> and then their suit being taken, but uh, are tricked out of their suits. But it was I, I wasn't offended by it by any means, but it was definitely. Uh, it was definitely a, a, a sight, I'll tell you that much. And that person that jacks his dumb is none other than uh, Fleming himself. And Fleming comments on how bad their taste in music is uh, as he, as he uh, pretty much runs off with their Rick Dom. And he uh, says that he knows where all their uh, blind spots are. So he manages to f- pilot the Rick Dom back to the beehive with the uh, uh, as all the other pilots are getting brought back with their destroyed GMs. Um, and there's a lot of death on both sides of the situation. Well, mostly on the Federation side. And you kind of get to see the reactions from all the people who, uh, uh, who, who, uh, are grieving the pilots that have gotten killed throughout this. But, um, when you see the Xeon side, when Daryl returns to, uh, to, to the ship that he's assigned to, which, uh, I guess is what is it called? The dried fish? Uh, I guess, yes. I suppose so. Um, he returns to the ship and you actually take notice of all the robotic limbs that all the Xeon soldiers have because they're part of a squadron called the Living Dead Squadron, which are all paraplegics of some sort who have been given bionic limbs that kind of look medieval. And you get to find out a little bit from their side, too, that they're there um, as a handicapped unit that's that's their defense side for. Well, um, to make a long story short, because I've already made it long, um, Io is given a uh, a Gundam to replace his GM, which he also called the Thunderbolt, and it's the Thunderbolt Gundam. And you find out that also Io is a part of the Moore Foundation. He's a, a family it's, member. It's not called the Thunderbolt Gundam. It's, uh, oh, it's the full armor Gundam. It's the full armor Gundam, but he, doesn't he? Call, he calls it the Thunderbolt. Uh, my no. fault. Oh, he doesn't. Okay, well, he let does me. Not call it the Thunderbolt. <laughs> 
It's a Thunderbolt sector. He doesn't call it the Thunderbolt Gundam. So oh. Where you got that from? Well, let me fix my face. But uh, he gets the uh, full armor Gundam, uh, and uh, you find out that his his uh, family lineage lineage ties to the Moore Foundation, which was in charge of Side Four. Um, he also is pretty sadistic, and you'll see that from his interaction with the cap, the acting captain, and her name is uh, Claudia Pierre. And they don't have the best of relationships, <laughs> and she reluctantly has to give him the full armor Gundam in order for in order for for them to move forward with using it in the uh, operations on side four. Um, you get to see a quick scene of Io uh, going out and sortieing with the full armor Gundam, and uh, there's a pretty neat scene where a Xeon pilot is actually getting picked apart <laughs> from first person view. Um, by IO into full armor Gundam, and it's it's pretty pretty awesome. Um, but it just goes to show that um, it's it the, there's a rivalry that builds up in this between IO and uh, uh Daryl Lorenz, who he taunted when he stole the Brick Dom, and the fact that um he told him if you hear jazz music, that means I'm coming. And sure enough, when he pilots the full armor Gundam, all the victims on the Zeon side actually hear that jazz music that he plays as he pilots and uh, kills off the Zeon pilot. So now they have a white whale to go after on the Zeon side. And the OVA ends with Daryl with kind of a newfound uh, target in taking out Io Fleming, which is kind of like a David versus Goliath situation. But before I go on, I'll pass the uh, mic over to Chris. And uh, what are some of your thoughts on uh, Thunderbolt Gundam? I, I, we've been talking about it for as long as the first episode actually. Runs oh my out. goodness! <laughs> we, we might have just done a commentary track. Yeah, yeah might as well. <laughs> um, it's it's interesting in that uh, the characters are not your typical, um, you know, shonen types, and if you if you want your dark and gritty. Gundam with weird-looking people piloting mobile suits and and filth and death and everything. <laughs> then I guess it's early Christmas for you. I guess so. Second Christmas. <laughs> but uh, did you enjoy it, or did you find it to be uh, to have problems? By any I enjoyed it, but I felt uh, at only eighteen minutes long, it was a little lacking compared to. Uh, standard OVA episode mm-hmm. and having read the first volume of the manga, they cut out a lot of stuff oh, wow. around this uh, including some more context about the fact that all these people in the Moore Brotherhood are volunteer soldiers. They're not exactly regular Federation forces. Oh man, that explains a lot. And um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's cut out, which may be just rearranged and moved to the next episode about Daryl actually testing um, a mental control system on a Zaku where because he has artificial legs, that it's a mental interface where controlling the Zaku is like controlling his own limbs. Oh, wow. That's pretty fantastic. I'll be. It'd be a shame that we miss out on that, <laughs> unless they actually pushed it to the next episode. I, I imagine it's probably pushed to the next episode because um, that red Zaku of his with the whole like uh, junk that it comes with mm-hmm. is pretty prominent in the manga yeah. and the fact that it's got a kit. So I would expect that it's just been moved to the second episode. But I would have liked to have seen, you know, the extra like five minutes or so that would have made this a standard episode. I still liked it for what it is, but 
and sort of like just as it's getting going, mm-hmm. it's over. But you know, for a closer man, that uh, that first person Zaku scene, yeah, <laughs> so well animated. It, it, it puts you into the into the terror zone. I, I mean, it, it's 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 a it's it's terrifying just to see a actual you know a pilot out of his element be taken down and taken apart like that and just to see him freaking out and to see his arm get cut off and his gun get cut in half <laughs> and be left defenseless as the as the as the full armor gun was coming in there to just skewer him and actually reveling in it like he pauses for a second before he stabs the cockpit it's 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 awesome i i i, I was really taken aback by that scene i, I thought it was fantastic yes so, any more comments on this short little thing? I would just say go read my review, but it's pretty much the same as what I've just said now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 the characters in this are so acidic that it's hard to like them. And I guess that's the point, right? Because I, Io is sadistic as hell. Like, he really enjoys being a mobile suit pilot and just the thrill of it, and yet he has no mercy for any of these guys. Um, even after seeing how busted up they are when he, when he jacks the dom and he sees that they're all paraplegics, he's like, he just doesn't care. <laughs> and then Daryl, he's pill popping. Uh, although you don't see him do that, but he's definitely on those, uh, those painkillers. And he kind of seems kind of detached until, uh, his, his, I guess is uh, what's his, his uh, ire is raised by uh, Io, and uh, the threat of his uh, full armor Gundam kind of p- draws him back in. So it, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, to me, when I watch this, it's kind of like the thing I've been waiting to see when it comes to going back to the Universal Century. My main complaint really is how many Gundams are going to be in the Universal, uh, are going to be involved in the one year war? <laughs> I mean, dude, that. that- that that horse left the barn decades ago. It so did. That, but, like, how, how many times can we do this? <laughs> as many times as Sunrise wants, man. I, I mean, guess. look at all of the manga and mm-hmm. the video games. I mean, that's just that is just a thing. There are a zillion Gundams in the One Year War, mm-hmm. and that's never going to change. <laughs> I, I suppose that's true. Well, add another one to the bunch. <laughs> I mean. Given how many there are, what's one more? Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm, it's a nitpick. It's not really a complaint at all. I just find it funny that yet again there's another Gundam in the One Year War that uh, next to no one knows about until until this reveals it. So it's cool though because I, I like the angle of the show. I'm a big fan of jazz and I do like uh, 60s pop as well. So just to see those those two uh, forms of music become characters in this is pretty cool. And uh, all the characters have. Uh, a unique look. I like the character designs of this, the music, the sound design, and the way the the OVA is directed. Even though it's so short, um, it's definitely drawn me in, and I'm I'm excited for the next episode. But um, what would you rate this episode, Chris? I give it uh, three and a half gritty ugly men out of five. <laughs> uh, I would give it four drum solos out of five myself. I, I I was really thrilled by this, and it makes me want to read the manga after, especially after what you told me about the fact that I left so much out. High praise. Is this going to maybe get a, a soul bro guarantee? It will. It'll. It, after all four episodes come out, maybe I can give it one. But we'll see. Hopefully, it uh, continues to impress me as it goes along. So, um, I th- I've got my fingers crossed, and I'm excited to see what comes next. Do you know when the next episode is dropping? I think it's supposed to be next month already. Oh, damn. That's a lot faster turnaround than I thought it would be. So, good stuff. If, if that's the case, then we got a lot to look forward to in February. 
And if that's it, um, that is our review of episode one of Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt. And we'll be right back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. Sumire. She went home. She said she only came here to see that you were all right. Gun Damn, the babe's leaving already! You didn't tell her anything about me, did you? Let's see, I think I mentioned that you're so behind that you needed to take summer classes or else you'd fail out. And of course I let her know that you had severe diarrhea last night. You got a problem with that? Kagi, will you please just shut up? Ayama, you tell her. I didn't mean to say she wasn't dating. Things just pop out of my mouth sometimes. Besides, what does my opinion matter, right? I'm just a moron. Call me a moron, Ayama. Please? No, really, Akagi. It's okay. You're just saying what you think. And what you think is that I'm undateable. Just some loser girl alone every night. I never said that. But that's what you were thinking. That's why it popped out of your mouth, right? I don't know. Maybe? So, you admit it. Hey, you called me a maniac, remember? Yes, because what kind of man in his Shut up! Can you hear all this? You heard all of that? Oh, please, no! You see us uh, struggling in the car. You walk up, you open the door, and you say... You're lying, George. Oh, uh... Hey, you, get your damn hands off her. Do you really think I ought to swear? Yes, definitely. Damn it, George, swear. Enemy approaching. I'll bring up the screen for you. Objects are moving quickly. Armed and targeting. Within range in 34 seconds, sir. Gundam at MAHQ, this is Chris, and for our second topic, we are going to review the 12th and final volume of Vertical's deluxe release of Gundam The Origin, Encounters. So, we had left off at volume 11 with the famous last shooting, so the story picks up from there, and we have... uh, Basically, three threads running what's happening on the white base uh, here and there. Uh, Sela's surprise revolution 
mm-hmm. which really picks up to the extent that uh, it seems like the Xeon are more concerned with killing each other than they are with the fact that the Federation's <laughs> coming after them. It looks like it for certain. That's what you would call misplaced priorities. Absolutely. Uh, and then the third track is, of course, that famous duel between Amaro and Char, which seems um, a lot more drawn out and, and uh, bigger mm-hmm. here than it was in the anime. Absolutely. And then it pretty much ends in the same way with uh, Amaro using his new type powers to guide everyone to safety before the white base blows up. And then he joins up with them and year turns to double O eighty and peace is restored. So let's talk about the, the main story first. What did you think of this final volume, Solbro? Well, my favorite part definitely is the sword fight in the armory. The fact that it's actually in the armory, <laughs> for what, uh, for one, uh, makes for a nice uh, uh, a backdrop for what they're doing. I mean, in the anime, it didn't look; it looked to be just like some grand ballroom. But here, you had all these uh, suits of armor, and uh, it made sense that there would be knives. Uh, there would be uh, swords there uh, waiting for them to use. But uh, my favorite parts of it was uh, Amaro being on the back foot the entire fight. And then you have um, Char, who kind of gets a uh, a nasty flashback to when he was younger. And he sees himself in Amaro, which is the biggest thing of this whole fight. Like, I, I never expected that during this. I thought it would have been more in line with the TV show. But the fact that he saw himself as a younger man when he was fighting that, suit, that dude in the suit of armor back at uh, the Don's castle back on earth and um he was just getting a just he was just pretty much burying his soul throughout that fight and telling amuro that you know lala was going to be you know he looked at her as a mother figure and the fact that it actually had more resonance after reading this manga about his mother and he brought up how she died and how that you know meeting lala kind of felt that void in his life and the fact that he felt that amuro just pretty much stripped him of her and and her presence in his life you know really fueled his rage now all that came to a boil in this battle and i appreciated that um almost didn't want it to i almost was in char's corner for a minute but then i realized that char is definitely getting way too carried away during this fight um and then of course sailor eventually shows up and uh and 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 breaks them up but uh getting to sailor to see that she pretty much threw zeon into chaos <laughs> With her whole uh, wanting to uh, take control of a Baoku and getting these guys to fight in her stead, I thought it was a nice uh, a nice take on her character in this. It gave her character more purpose in this uh, final showdown. I thought that was fantastic. And then eventually she catches up with Amro and them. But uh, uh, when uh, what's her name, Casilia uh, is getting ready to abandon the bridge, and that one guy says, "Hey." Uh, I'd, I'd like to stay here and finish things. And then without hesitation, one of her armed guards just shoots the shit out of that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's no longer an option, guys. <laughs> and uh, basically, they just uh, they, they go ahead and set up traps around the base so that uh, uh, Don, the Donovan group ends up getting uh, screwed up because of that, which I can't believe they didn't sweep the uh, bridge to make sure there weren't explosives there because it seemed way too easy for them to take that over without any kind of catch being there. But poor Donovan loses his life, sadly, um, in order to defend uh, Sayla and keep her safe, uh, which is a shame, but you saw it coming. Um, but uh, I was surprised that uh, 
after seeing what happens to Macho, what happens later in the book, I'm surprised to see that. But uh, but it was cool to see Macho actually giving his all to defend Sailor, and then she eventually meets up with Amro and Shar and brings them both to their senses. And one of the coolest lines in it, really, to me, is when Shar says, "Become a woman to die for." I love that shit <laughs> when he tells Sailor um, that you, you've you've become you know even stronger than I could have hoped, and uh, you should def- you you'll definitely become a woman to die for. Which I thought was a pretty slick line before he went off to go do what he had to do and take out Cassilia, which of course is still the baddest headshot in all of the history of anime. That's right, I said it, Google thirteen. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, to see that reenacted in the manga was a fantastic uh, layout of uh, panels. I-, I gotta say that this is some of be- uh, uh, Yaza's best. Uh, illustrations and work that he's done in this issue, especially in the first half of this book where you get the wrap up at um, a Bawaku. But uh, just to wrap things up in the story, uh, I, I, I dig the fact that Bright sends in Kai and Hayato to go look for Amaro and Sela. And of course, they run into Sela thanks to uh, Amaro's guidance to Sela when they get separated. And then Amaro, of course, has to do the uh, the ejection of the core and and fly out, and they reenact the ending of uh, Bobasu Gundam, which I thought was also beautifully illustrated. But a really great read, man. I I I I was almost brought to uh, become a misty eyed when reading this last issue because of just all the feelings that you get when you're getting to the end of the Mobasu Gundam uh, storyline. And this book definitely brings it back around and puts a new light on it, man. I was really thrilled to read this. But uh, what are your thoughts? You know, I was concerned going into this volume, given that the last one ended with the last shooting. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, how much how much story could there possibly be here? And this just feels like leftovers dragged out to a 12th volume. Mm-hmm. But boy, was I wrong. Wow. Because, you know, this volume, um, even without the side stories, is pretty uh, consequential the way that uh, the story wraps up. Mm-hmm. I really uh, thought that Sela's rebellion was a good thing to toss in because it gives her more prominence that wraps back to that flashback arc. And I love, you know, this whole thing when Cassilia realizes, like, oh crap, I underestimated her because I was just so focused on Char and oh, yeah. forgot about her too. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and obviously that whole little storyline has ramifications down the line so that was a that was a neat addition uh i liked the longer conversation between Aaron and char while they're fighting with Charles, as you mentioned basically laying everything out mm-hmm. and i also felt that the lala could have been my mother exchange works a lot better here than it does in char's counterattack. oh absolutely because it's a lot more raw right now versus 13 years of pent-up hatred. Yeah, it's, 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 there's a lot more context here in the in these books, too, because um, before Gundam the Origin, we ha- didn't even know who Shar's mother was. We had no idea, and the struggle that she went through and pretty much their connection to her, we didn't knew none of that, So, and how it relates to Lala and all that. We never got to make that connection. Now we can, and I, I appreciate that for this. And that whole fight, uh, as you mentioned in the Armory, the callback to the flashback arc just the the staging the lighting that it's just so dynamically drawn and it it definitely is some of yaza's best work in the series right up there with the best mobile suit work that he does it's Mm -hmm. really really well done like you know he always brings his a game but he definitely made sure it didn't let up for the finale absolutely so moving on to the other 
portion of this volume, we get uh, as a very nice bonus three little side story short mangas. Casval 0057, Artesia 0083, and Amaro 0082. So the Casval one is about his birth and how Xeon uh, and his family are hiding in uh, Clock Tower of a University where uh, Degwin is the president. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting to see that background. But man, this little manga is worth it if only, if only for giving us punk high school dozel yeah <laughs> boncho dozel <laughs> oh my god he looks like he would just fit in perfectly in chromarty or yeah. like any like high school ruffian anime any delinquent anime <laughs> he was a super delinquent man that was the uh, like, is- i could i could even see him uh he, he'd even fit in and, and kill a kill yeah <laughs> Like one of one of the four, uh, one of the four leaders. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely spiced things up when he shows up. Yeah, so fun little thing. Um, the Artesia 0083 is, in some respects, a sequel to her rebellion because you know she's sort of being uh, kept watch over by the Federation, mm-hmm. and she's uh, staying at this like rich mansion this fancy place and there's a polo match but the opposing team is made up of a bunch of ex-zeon soldiers mm-hmm. who were part of that rebellion and they've come to nabber and she's like guys chill out yo including let's, let's go play polo including macho who looked like he got shot in uh <laughs> during a bow cool like i thought he was finished and then you see him make a his grand return during that polo match and it's like oh that's cool yo macho made it that was awesome that uh the yeah. guys that fought alongside her at side at at at, at Abawaku, uh, some of them came back to go get her and bring her back which is which is wild because it i guess it's you mentioned it's 0083 so it's around the same time that uh that um Delaz, the Delaz fleet is about to make their move if it's not hap- if it if, if it's not already happening at the same time. Um, Assuming that's happening in this continuity. Absolutely. And Kai, having posed as a journalist to be able to get access to her, mm-hmm. decides yeah, maybe I should do this for real because I've just been kind of drifting around for a couple of years since the war ended. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was legit, and then he reveals that he's not, and then you find out that this is just a uh, origin story of how he becomes a journalist. And they, they mentioned what Reuters? That's how you pronounce it, right? Yep. Yeah, Reuters. Reuters. And that Reuters exists in the Universal Century. Good shit. <laughs> Yeah, they've been around since the 1800s, and the reason why they wouldn't still be around in Universal Century. There you go, man. The, the, take stock. <laughs> and then the last manga, Amuro Double Eighty Two, features him, Hayato, and Frau all um, taking a little scenic tour in Japan, and the foibles of. Xeon agents constantly trying to assassinate him and failing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sitcom for the most part. <laughs> so what did you think of these three little side story mangas? Well, uh, my favorite one out of all three has definitely got to be the, the one with Kai uh, going to visit Sailor and them catching up even beforehand with uh, Mirai um and kai sitting down the little flashback that he has um of course one of my favorite moments is when uh 
Mirai has the breastfeed uh, Hathaway, who is just an infant here. And uh, Kai steps out the room and then he starts to envision, because um, Hathaway looks so much like Bright, he starts to envision in his mind Bright, Bright's, face. Bright's face face on, uh, on <laughs> Hathaway's body as he's suckling his mother's teeth. And then he gets a nosebleed. And then the, the nightmare that he has later is freaking classic. <laughs> That whole panel, I, I would if so I ever be, weird. If I ever get, if I, I'll I'll get a a scan of that, blow it up, take it to Yaz and get his uh get his signature on it because <laughs> it's by far my whole favorite panel of this whole book. It's hilarious, but um yeah, just just uh, the conversation they have, it kind of gives you more insight as to what Sela is doing when you don't see her in Zeta. And you don't see her uh, for the most part of double Zeta and the fact that she has devoted her life to helping orphans and uh, and, and you know, take, give, you know, taking her talents to help the unfortunate. Um, it also may explain where she was during Gundam uh, 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 Shard's counterattack. You know, she was just off doing other things. She just decided not to get involved. Um, even though her brother was the main antagonist in that, it's like, look, I'm, I'm through with this. You know, I'm not going to get involved because I know they'll suck me right back in and try to use my, uh, my lineage to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to use it for political maneuvering. And I just don't want to put myself in that situation. So it gives you a lot of insight on her character. Kai, of course, becoming a journalist. That part at the end where, um, Kai finds out that Sale has been looking after, uh, Miharu's brother and sister was pretty awesome and if, and it gets kai to start balling and i, I love that moment it's like sailor you rock and the, his words exactly he says that in the book and the fact that um she was able to do something that he couldn't even bring himself to do which is to go back and see miharu's brother and sister and let them know the truth that their sister had died and that she was never coming home because they were still living at that house on the hill waiting for their sister to come back. So Sailor decided to take it upon herself to help those kids out. And I thought that was fantastic. So um, it was a nice end to a very comical, uh, a co- a comical issue right there. Um, I also enjoyed the, the Char backstory on his birth and seeing little Haman, <laughs> little Haman, Haman uh, Crowley. Uh, help out with the birth uh, of Shar and uh, uh, I guess teaching um, Dakin about Lamaze and how to how to keep her breathing in check. So uh, when she was uh, giving birth to Shar, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Um, and then seeing all the Zeon before they actually get uh, see all the Zeon, uh, sorry, the Zabi family before they got involved and became more treacherous than uh, um, than w- what they did later on in the book. Uh, just to see them as kind of more innocent back in the day and see that they were all on they used to all be on the same side at one point in time it was a pretty cool um uh viewpoint of all the characters uh for the zeon the zabi family and whatnot but um the amuro one i thought was probably my second favorite and i, I like the fact that him and hayato got to talking to each other and hayato said look i, I want to propose to uh i'm going to be getting married to uh Frau Bo. And I just don't want you to stand in the way anymore. And, and if you could promise me not to stand in my way with marrying Frau Bo, because I think she still has the Jones for you. And I, I really want this to go through because I love Frau. And I really enjoyed that that in between between those two guys. And, of course, all the assassination attempts getting thwarted by the undercover Federation security members was pretty cool. Uh, my favorite part about that is when the one guy tries to come up and get a selfie with Amaro. <laughs> And all those people give that kid the death stare, and he just get he just he knows to get the f out. 
but all of them were really fun. It it, it made for a nice, uh, uh, I guess, a, a, a palate cleanser after reading the first half of this book. So uh, I really enjoyed the three stories. Well, what are your thoughts on those? The uh, the Shar one was it was okay. Um, you know, it, it sort of veers into the territory a little bit of the shrinking universe phenomenon. Yeah. Having too many people involved too early on. That's true. But it was still enjoyable. Uh, I liked the Sailor one the best, showing what she was doing, uh, the follow-up to her rebellion, and the fact that, you know, Zeon, uh, loyalists for some reason, just completely ignore her and focus only on Char as the uh, successor to that name. And, uh, you know, I felt it odd that no one ever tried to, like, come after her to prop her up and, and use her as a symbol for their fight. And it only ended up ever being Char. Mm-hmm. But it was good to see that she cast that aside and, and didn't want anything to do with that and made that clear to them. Uh, I really loved the bit with uh, Miharu's siblings because... You know, that gives us some nice closure on something 30 years after the fact because <laughs> you assume, man, what a terrible life these two poor kids have being left alone and what happens to them. Exactly. So, it, it's good to know that they had a good end. Thank goodness. <laughs> it is also interesting to see the origin story of Kai becoming a reporter as he's sort of trying to find his way in this new world and he's kind of like sheepish and unsure of himself here and not sort of the cocky confident guy that uh, he was in MSG or that we see when he shows up in Zeta, Zeta in that yep. boss suit of his yeah, he- jungle <laughs> he's just drifted through life <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> trying to find his place in it, and uh, yeah, it's good to see him in that point of transition, and then finally uh, reaching his manhood, so to speak. And as for the Amuro one, yes, the comical assassination attempts were amusing, but I liked that conversation between Amuro and Hayato because it settles um, sort of like this unresolved tension that existed between them at the end of MSG that they never addressed because. Frau addressed it with Hayato saying, hey, you know, Amaro's different from us and, you know, you can't worry about trying to compete with him. But we never saw, obviously because it's the end of the show, Hayato ever talking about that with Amaro. Yeah, exactly. Resolving that. So it's good that this came in here and, and addressed that. It lends, lends, lends itself to the camaraderie they have in Zeta later, too. It definitely does. Mm-hmm. So, Sobro. Mm-hmm. Overall, uh, final thoughts for the whole series now that this is a thing that we can discuss. Man, well, if I was the overall thoughts in the entire series, I have got to say that I thoroughly enjoyed reading these books. Um, yeah, you could say on one hand, it's it's territory we've covered before, but it's through lights and it's it's through a lens that we never got to witness all these events through before. So I really do appreciate um, the 10 years that Yaz took in order to do these books. And he could see that he thought out 
a lot of these scenarios over the years and the fact that he kind of fleshed out a lot of situations that honestly needed to be fleshed out in Mobile Suit Gundam. I, I love these books for it. Um, if you, if you, this is the only review you've ever heard of us talking about Gundam the origin and you've never had the chance to check out these books. They're still out there, man. You should definitely uh, try to get your hands on them because they make great reads. They're fast reads and they look great on your shelf once you're done reading them. I can't wait to go through these books again. Now that I have them all, I almost want to just knock them out one by one and enjoy the whole story over again because it's timeless, honestly. Even though they've updated a few things throughout these books, uh, reading these, you just realize how ingenious the, the story of Mobile Suit Gundam was and these books just help to flush that out even further. So they've been a, a fantastic read, man. I, I, I can't recommend them enough. And what are your uh, final thoughts on the series? Well, you know, back in, say, 2002, when I was buying it monthly from this is lower quality individual issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never thought this day would come once those abruptly ceased publication and, and I would go to my comic shop and they wouldn't have them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course, when Vertical announced that they were going to release it, there's that uncertainty back of your mind. It's like, even though they say that they're going to publish the whole thing, will they really, will enough people stick with this? And I am glad to see that enough did. And I really appreciate the uh, tweets and Facebook comments and uh, message board posts from people saying that they got with the series or they tried it out because of our reviews and our call to actions so you know, i'm glad that we were able to inspire some people to check out the series and that they found enjoyment from it absolutely i i second that man i'm so proud of the people who supported this series and if you got these books based off of our recommendation or the call to action that we made way back in the day when these books were about to come out and we put put people on blast for not supporting uh uh, Gundam here in the States, you guys came through in full, and I'm glad that um, you guys, along with everybody else who bought the books, um, encouraged Vertical to keep this series going, because it was definitely well worth the journey. Yeah, and I will be, I'm so proud to have uh, all 12 volumes of these nicely lined up on my shelf, and I will be reading them over and over for many years to come now that that is a thing that I can do, that I can choose to pick up and read these whenever I want to, and I have to worry about it being an incomplete release or having to try to track down some dodgy incomplete scanlation or <laughs> any of that junk. Exactly. So uh, many, many thanks to Vertical for taking a chance on the series, which given how well it's sold is a gamble that paid off. Absolutely. And I'm excited about what they will release for Gundam in the future. But to close this out, Sobro, what's your rating for Volume 12? My rating for Volume 12 is five Hayato Judo flips out of five. <laughs> you got one last moment to shine. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this volume. It ended strongly, and it ended uh, even better than I expected, especially with the uh, additional stories at the end. So a definite five out of five. I'll, I'll give it the highest. I'll give it the Sobro recommendation. There you go. I'm going to give this one five creepy, suckling baby brights out of five. (laughs) There you go. Bright didn't have much to say in this issue, but he said all he could with (laughs) in the mind of Kai anyway. Oh, my God. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. 
Let us do no such Gundam thing. Are you a fan of Gundam, Robotech, or Transformers? Well, you should check out Gundam at MEHQ, a wonderful source to learn about the Autobots. Yes, and once I learn about them, I will be the leader of the Decepticons. What was that, Starscream? Nothing, Lord Megatron. Nothing at all. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. And we're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, The Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream if you want to watch the stream live. Make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fightersready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash gundammahq and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, Ray? You tell me. You done lost your dumb damn mind. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 174, where we reviewed the first episode of Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt, the first OVA. Uh, look forward to our future reviews of that four-episode series. And then we went and we it was our sad but yet uh, happy duty uh, to review the final volume of Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, of the uh, actual manga itself. Again, uh, a big thank you to Vertical for bringing out this entire series here. It's been an enjoyable read, and we're really looking forward to what uh, what other future publications uh, you decide to bring over here, especially the ones that are Gundam-related. Um, big thanks and big ups to you guys. Um, but before we close out, Chris, any uh, anything on your mind? Anything you wanted to let people know about? No. Well, all right. <laughs> well, there's something that we should let people know about. Go for it. Um... Why don't you do the honors about uh, Mech Talks? Yes. Um, if you guys don't know, and if you're listening to this episode, you probably already know by now, but Mech Talks has uh, gone through a bit of a reboot. And uh, our friends... Gritty a gritty reboot. Uh, it is uh, definitely explicit, So, um, but it's a, uh, it's a podcast uh, by two of our, uh, two of our 
community, a part of the Gundam Nation, uh, Matthew and Fredrex Double Zero. They've gone and created a kind of a casual conversation, stream of consciousness uh, podcast where they sit and they talk about uh, mecha anime as well as all sorts of other nerdy endeavors. Um, and uh, they just recently relaunched the show, which is also part of the uh, Gundam uh, feed. If you're subscribed to Gundam on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts, the episodes will be uploaded to the feed. So um, episode one just dropped. If you guys haven't had the chance to check that out yet, go ahead and uh, check out that episode. It's funny. Um, both Fred and Matthew are joined by Eric, a.k.a. Crestborn of the Powerborn stream, as they uh, talk about The Force Awakens and a bunch of other things. So definitely check out Mech Talks and big a big thank you to Fred and Matt for putting that show together and look forward to future episodes of that show here on the Gundam feed. And subscribe now for your variant Spider-Man cover. Indeed. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Those guys put in work and uh, I'm looking forward to see what else they put out. But uh, anything else that we should mention? Well, uh, since it's just dropping right now, mm-hmm. you can check out via Chaos Theater the third and final installment of the old-timey theater radio dramas. Oh, yes. The end of the trilogy, the, the final chapter, the most terrifying installment <laughs> is here. That's what's up. If you guys haven't done it already, just search for Chaos Theater on iTunes or go to chaostheater.blogspot.com and you guys can um, make a favor that website and check out all the episodes of the podcast through there. It's a podcast that Chris and Pedro both do. They actually, you guys just recently reached a milestone of episode 100, man. Goodness. Indeed. Oh my gosh. And and we're ready to uh, rock with number 101 in the very near future. Awesome. Talking uh, yet again about Star Wars. <laughs> hey, man, it's what's in the air, man. Um, that movie was a lot of fun, man. Uh, I, you know, I'd ask you what you thought of it, but you know what? I'll wait until I'll wait to listen to that episode. But uh, if, if anything. Uh, well, we already talked about it a little bit in episode 100. Oh, wow. It's part of our year in review, but this will be a deep dive exploration of it in its own segment no holds barred man all the spoilers you can stand (laughs) so make sure to go and subscribe to chaos theater Uh, you can find it of course at the website as well as on itunes and don't sleep on that that show's great and make sure to uh uh, give them feedback on itunes as well um let me think uh other than that uh but congratulations to both you and pedro for reaching episode 100 by the way and my hats off to you man absolutely but um, other than that, we mentioned at the top that Neo put up a review of The Force Awakens, and you guys, guys can check that out also in your free time here on the Gundam feed. But um, when, you get the, when you get a moment, make sure to check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens, mahq.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, 
MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that's it for episode 174 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Look alive, team. And there she blows. Can anyone point out the mistakes these three made in the simulator? The engineer puked in the main gearbox. Sorry. We shouldn't be doing this. You know, for someone in a space exploration program, you don't have much of a sense of adventure. I've been scanning the system and picking up alien radio chatter. They keep repeating one word. Voltron. It is time to reclaim what is rightfully ours. Yes, soon we will rule the universe. Guys, you should come see this. What is that? Whoa. Good kitty. Five were brought here for a reason. Together, you will form Voltron, the greatest weapon ever known, protector of the innocent, and our only hope to save the universe. Jeez, no pressure. Defenders of the universe, huh? It's got a nice ring to it. DreamWorks Voltron, Legendary Defender. All episodes June 10th, only on Netflix. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. I'm trying to, what do you call it? That's a, uh, an olive branch. Is that what you call it? It's pepper here? I didn't see it. We're kind of, well, not kind of. Pregnant? No, definitely not. We're taking a break. It's nobody's fault. I'm so sorry, Tony. I didn't know. 
few years ago, I almost lost her, so I trashed all my suits. And we had to mop up Hydra, and then Ultron. My fault. And then, and then, and then, I never stopped, because the truth is I don't want to stop. I don't want to lose her. I thought maybe the Accords could split the difference. In her defense, I'm a handful. Your dad was a pain in the ass, but your mom always made it work. You know, I'm glad Howard got married. I only knew him when he was young and single. Oh, really? You two knew each other? He never mentioned that. Maybe only a thousand times. God, I hated you. I don't mean to make things difficult. I know, because you're a very polite person. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. No, you don't. No, I don't. Sometimes, sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. But I don't want to see you gone. We need you, Cap. So far, nothing's happened that can't be undone. If you sign, we can make the last 24 hours legit. Barnes gets transferred to an American psych center instead of a Wakandan prison. I'm not saying it's impossible, but there would have to be safeguards. Sure. Once we put out the PR fire, these documents can be amended. I'd file a motion to have you and Wanda reinstated. Wanda? What about Wanda? She's fine. She's confined to the compound currently. Vision's keeping her company. Oh, God, Tony. Every time. Every time I think what you see things the right way. What if acres with a lap pool that's got a screening room? There's worse ways to protect people. Protection. Is that how you see this? This is protection? It's internment, She's Tony. not a U.S. citizen, and they oh, don't grant on, visas Tony. to weapons of mass destruction. She's a kid. Give me a break. I'm doing what has to be done to stave off something worse. You keep telling yourself that. 